0: And give you peace. In this episode, we'll continue our study of the book of judges by looking at Judges chapter fifteen. If you have a Bible, turn to judges fifteen, verse one, and follow along while I read. After some days at the time of the wheat harvest, Samson went to visit his wife with a young goat, and he said, "I will go into my wife in the chamber." but her father would not allow him to go in, and her father said, I really thought that you utterly hated her, so I gave her to your companion. Is not her younger sister more beautiful than she? Please take her instead. And Samson said to them, This time I shall be innocent in regard to the Philistines when I do them harm. So Samson went and caught three hundred foxes and took torches, and he turned them tail to tail and put a torch between each pair of tails. And when he had set fire to the torches, he let the foxes go into the standing grain of the Philistines and set fire to the stacked grain and the standing grain, as well as the olive orchards. Then the Philistines said, Who has done this? And they said, Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite, because he has taken his wife and given her to his companion. And the Philistines came up and burned her and her father with fire. And Samson said to them, If this is what you do, I swear I will be avenged on you, and after that I will quit. And he struck them hip and thigh with a great blow, and he went down and stayed in the cleft of the rock at Edom. Then the Philistines came up and encamped in Judah and made a raid on Lehi, and the men of Judah said, Why have you come up against us? They said, We have come up to bind Samson, to do to him as he did to us." Then 3,000 men of Judah went down to the cleft of the rock at Edom and said to Samson, Do you not know that the Philistines are rulers over us? What then is this that you have done to us? And he said to them, As they did to me, so I have done to them. And they said to him, We have come down to bind you that we may give you into the hands of the Philistines. And Samson said to them, Swear to me that you will not attack me yourselves they said to him, No, we will only bind you and give you into their hands. We will surely not kill you. So they bound him with two new ropes and brought him up from the rock. When he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting to meet him. Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and the ropes that were on his arms became as flax that has caught fire, and his bonds melted off his hands. And he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, and he put out his hand and took it. And with it struck a thousand men. And Samson said, With the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey, have I struck down a thousand men. As soon as he had finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone out of his hand, and the place was called Ramath-Lehi. And he was very thirsty, and he called upon the Lord and said, You have granted this great salvation by the hand of your servant, and shall I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? And God split open the hollow place that is at Lehi, and water came out. And when he drank, his spirit returned, and he revived. Therefore the name of it was called En-Hakor. It is at Lehi to this day. And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines 20 years. This chapter of Samson's life is a fascinating one. The details and, and the lengths to which he went to seek revenge are, are dramatic. Some of the details may not even make sense to us of uh, how they could have physically happened, like the fox's tails being tied together with torches. It, it's a fascinating story. But when we boil it down, what we see is a man who is really struggling. Uh, Samson is having difficulty in his life. Uh, There are struggles with other people, struggles with circumstances, uh, struggles with his own expectations. Samson is struggling. And I think as we look at this chapter, we can start to see some things about the times when we struggle and how we might better respond in a godly way. First of all, let's identify the times when Samson struggled. In the first couple of verses, we see Samson struggling when life wasn't fair. Samson had gone down and found a woman that he wanted to be his wife, and he had proposed marriage and had done everything he needed to do except consummate the marriage. And now he had gone back to do that. And someone had just given away his wife. The wife's father had given his daughter to the best man at the wedding so that she wouldn't be shamed by being left at the altar, so to speak. And Samson didn't think that was fair at all. He says, this time I'll be innocent when I take my revenge which implies that the last time that he killed Philistines, he might not have been innocent. But this time he says he feels as if he will be vindicated for taking this action because that wasn't fair. Then we get to verses four and five and Samson takes the foxtails, ties them together with the torches and lets them loose on the grain. Samson is again at this point of conflict. Why? Well, it's Because he wasn't willing to take responsibility for his actions. There may have been some things in his circumstance that were beyond his control, but the reality is he had a part to play in it. He was the one that left his wife at the altar. He is the one who acted out in a way that made people believe that he wasn't coming back. Since he wasn't willing to take responsibility for his own actions, he's acting out and lashing out against others and creating even more struggle in his life. We also see Samson struggling when other people overreacted to him. As he burned down the wheat, what was the reaction of the Philistines? To go kill his wife and his father-in-law. Those are not the same things. Those are that punishment didn't fit the crime. And so now Samson finds himself in another struggle and he ends up having to flee and hide at the rock of Edom. But Samson's struggles aren't over, are they? Now he has the people of Judah wanting to turn him over to the Philistines and he has another struggle, another fight coming because others didn't protect him. People who he thought he could trust, people who he thought would help him are not protecting him and they're giving him over to the very circumstance that he's trying to flee to avoid the struggle. Now he's struggling again. Doesn't that sound a lot like the times that we struggle when life's not fair, when we're not willing to take responsibility for our own actions, when other people overreact to the things that we do or when other people don't protect us. When we identify the struggles in our life and the source of those struggles, we have two choices. In Samson's case, he chose to be a victim. He came very defensive and he sought revenge. He thought all of these things were happening to him and felt a need to defend himself and set things right on his own terms. But God had given him another option, and it's the option that he encourages all of his children to take. When we struggle in life, when we need the wrong things in our life to be set right, we should choose to trust God and let him use us for his purposes. He promises that in that, things will be set right, and we will grow and be strengthened and be encouraged, experience a growth in our faith, and be given hope as a result. And God had chosen Samson to be an instrument. Remember back in chapter 13, he had been chosen even before he was born to be a Nazarite to God from the womb. But rather than being an instrument used by God in the way he wanted to, God is having to use Samson's missteps to bring about his purposes. He's having to work in spite of Samson instead of with Samson. This is all going on because Samson is determined to set things right on his own terms rather than trusting God to set them right. Listen to what God tells us through the Apostle Paul in Romans 12, starting in verse 19. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. God's desire for his children is not to sink to the level of our enemy and fight them on their terms. It's to stand our ground firmly in our faith in God and to take on those battles and those struggles in the way that God has given us. It means we leave vengeance to God and we love everyone. God will sort out the details. God will set things right. Our choice is to be an instrument of God's love and his grace. And by doing so, we'll heap burning coals on the heads of our enemies. We don't overcome evil with evil. We overcome evil With good. I guess I should say just a word about that phrase of heaping burning coals on the head of our enemies. I think some people read that and say, you know, if you'll just be nice to the people who are mean to you, uh, that'll show them that's how you get your revenge. That's not what this verse says. It says God will get the revenge. You just take care of their needs. The heaping burning coals on their head seems to be a reference to the way a a fire would be started. You would get uh, hot coals from a place where a a fire had been smoldering and you would take that and and use that to start a fire in another place. As the spirit burns within us and and causes us to love others, what may happen is that the spark of the divine is lit within them. they catch on fire for the Lord as well. We all struggle. We all have times in life where life seems difficult. Are we going to be the victim and complain and and lash out at others and try to set things right on our own? Or are we going to be an instrument of God's love and grace and trust him to set those things right? if we're willing to be an instrument of his, if we're willing to be one of his children, we do have promises from God. There are a couple of things that he always promises his people. One is that he will always be there. There's a passage in Zephaniah chapter three, starting in verse 15, that says, the Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The king of Israel, the Lord is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. That passage is beautiful. God is in our midst. He is there for us. Whether we acknowledge it or not, whether we're aware of it or not, doesn't change the fact that God is there. And when we are faithful to him, he is glad. He rejoices in that. He pours out his love on us and he sings out loud because of us. God is there for us. And if that was all he did, that would be enough. But he does more. He gives us the power to overcome our struggle. Psalm 138 verse 3 says, On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. The psalmist there is saying something that we need to all recognize, that when we call, God answers us and gives us the strength to overcome. We're told in the New Testament that there is no temptation that we incur, that God doesn't give us a way of escape. The very power of God that raised Jesus from the grave, that that gave him life after he had been executed and exalted him to the right hand of God and allows him to reign over us is the same power that's at our disposal to overcome all the struggles in our lives. It's great that God is always there and gives us the power to overcome in all of our struggles. But oftentimes when we get to the other side of our struggle, we're absolutely exhausted. We may even feel like we've been beaten up. There's one more thing we see in this story that should encourage us. When Samson has gone through his struggles, he cries out to God and asks to be rescued from his thirst. And God opened up the ground and gave him water and refreshed him. God refreshes his people. God's promise to all of his people for all time has been that he would refresh them. Here are a few Bible passages that speak to that. Isaiah 58 verse 11 says, And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water, whose waters do not fail. In Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 25, God says, For I will satisfy the weary soul, and every languishing soul I will replenish. It's not just in the Old Testament that he makes these promises. Also, we have Revelation chapter 21, verses 5 through 7. And one last verse, Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 19. Repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, galerachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter.